0: Good morning. <clears throat> I have so many things that I want to say to you today. <laughs> Several weeks ago, uh, when we were arranging dates and, you know, thinking about when we might be able to visit with you and thinking about also what, if I was going to be here preaching, what I might say Uh, I found out that you're doing this series on the Holy Spirit and uh, we were all encouraged those of us who are guest preachers to preach on something that relates to the Holy Spirit so I was you know I, I reflected a little bit on the year or the last couple of years and very quickly my focus my direction where I felt like almost God was pointing me to preach on was on how the Holy Spirit is at work to help us read God's Word, to bring light to God's Word, to bring understanding to us. Uh, he gives us insight into truth, um, the ability to see and to love God's Word, all of this kind of thing. So that's maybe eventually where I want to end up. That's, that's what I really want to talk about with you But at the same time, I mean, we're here just one day. And, uh, you know, we have a wonderful chance to talk with you after the service. Some of you, Um, sadly, not everyone. Maybe there's a few people who are online who couldn't be here today. But I also want to share, and we don't have a lot of time, uh, about what God is doing. And in some way, that's also about the Holy Spirit. Uh, It it may not be um, that... What we find in God's Word uh, is like, you know, the story of our work with people in the Middle East. But what we find in God's Word is God's work in the Middle East. Um, It began way back then, and it's been continuing and carrying on until today. Since Easter, One of the texts that um, Anne has been reflecting on, and I have thought about as well, uh, it it looks at the after resurrection, what happened. Do you guys know that? Like um, in, for example, Luke, uh, Luke chapter 24, we find the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus does something with them, opening their eyes and their understanding kind of causing them to feel this burning in their hearts as he's explaining scripture to them. And, and so in that, and then in right after that, also Luke 24, where Jesus says, uh, you know, peace be with you, and then he opens their eyes. This is speaking about all of the disciples. There's something that Jesus wants to do through the giving of the Holy Spirit, To help us to see what he's doing and to understand his word. But it isn't easy always to to put together grace and truth. Uh, As I was listening to the the children's story, I kept thinking, you know, this is a beautiful picture of what the Holy Spirit is doing among us in terms of grace. You know love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. those are all the way that we experience grace in our homes, in our workplace, in our life, in our ministry, um, it's happening constantly and and it's wonderful when we get to experience the Holy Spirit at work in us and we sense, yes, you know there's there's something. The, the power of God is somehow overcoming my weakness and giving me the ability to exhibit something about Him. A- Anne and I have had these type of experiences many times over the years. Um, even these last years with COVID, there's been extra need, and I'm sure you've all experienced this, the extra need for love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness gentleness self-control it relates to COVID we you know we're part of an international church there and we're part of a team and there's a lot of division sometimes there's a lot of questions how can we live the right way with each other how can we live respecting the need to be careful how can we live also recognizing that the more careful we are the more this maybe can cause problems and especially among the poor people who already are barely squeaking by in terms of uh, you know economically or just their daily life they depend on interaction with others and you know the more careful the world is the more it causes chaos in certain parts of the world it's not as orderly as Canada, uh, in the Middle East, um, in Cairo, you know. So there's this, you want to express and experience God's gifts with each other. You want to have the Holy Spirit working in you to exhibit his grace with each other and be patient with each other. And somehow you also want to have understanding about like how do these bad things happen? And what's the right thing to do in these complicated circumstances it happens in the seminary and and is teaching at the seminary and uh, you know uh, let's say every month or every quarter sometimes you know we have these conversations just just reflecting on the kinds of students and and the challenges that are at work in the seminary For years we've had these conversations and we've prayed and prayed asking God to somehow do something new, let there be kind of a new spirit of unity and uh, an experience of community in that seminary. And at the same time that the, the students would be filled with understanding, deeply understanding God's word and how to apply it in different difficult circumstances. And sometimes it just feels like there's a year where you just don't believe those students are the right people. You know, like, it, the, the or maybe it's a professor. Or maybe it's uh, just this wave after wave of, you know, uh, the death of a child in the seminary community and how that just makes it very hard to carry on or maybe it's just bad news constantly in a country you know 10 years ago when we began that was in the grip of revolutions and uh, a government that was working proactively against christians and against making faith possible or um, even that The Sharia state of Islam would be implemented that that was happening and you know, how do people deal with all of this stuff? It's it it was it's a confusing place ministry life your lives You know we're we're praying today about a sudden unexpected death How do we explain this how do we live with grace and truth? It's tough to do that consistently, continuously. It's it's not an easy, simple life. When I hear people sometimes say things like, "The Bible is God's book of instructions for," uh, sorry, basic instruction book for living or before leaving earth something like this right like this concept that that the bible is just a simple thing if we just sit and read it it'll give our uh, give us guidance i don't think that's true in our i mentioned this international church not just covid but but there are actual there are other issues that divide us there there are issues of of inequality or you know like whether we accept men and women or you know different groups of people there's there's ways in which uh, different denominations and we're a very international church in Cairo we have different ethnicities and cultures and denominations and we're all trying to worship together that's a hard thing to do and I'm sure you've experienced that I I know that sometimes we come face to face with real difficult discernment questions when it comes to understanding both and applying and experiencing the Holy Spirit to give both grace and truth at the same time in the same place with each other knowing that we we're reading things differently we have different culture we we have a very challenging uh, you know the walk with Jesus is not simple not easy it doesn't always make sense but Jesus prayed about this. He knew that this was coming. John 16, um, where he mentions that we're going to get this counselor after he goes, he talked about this as being the spirit of truth that would be given to us and that he would lead us into all truth or guide us into the truth. Uh, he will speak what he hears from Jesus. He will reveal more and more. He will bring things into our mind he will he will do this work of making things clearer giving us peace and joy just a chapter later um, he's this is where he's praying for the disciples the 12 that are with him and for other disciples that would come after them he's praying and he's saying you know these ones you chose and you gave them to me and you revealed I have revealed you and you have revealed to them that I am the one and they have believed in me and they have obeyed and you know he he speaks all of these in his prayer really positive things about the disciples but he also asks for protection that they would be preserved and he also he prays asking that the word which he has given them would continue to kind of be given its right place in their lives and be that they would be filled with understanding he prays for the 12 and for everyone who would come after him after them and that's that's the context just days later into which the Emmaus road where their eyes are opened happens and just Another, maybe hours later, where he speaks peace to his 12 disciples, or to the 11 now. And he says to them, peace be with you, but also their eyes are open. They're, they understand something, new things already are starting to happen. The Holy Spirit is already filling them. And then weeks later, now after his ascension, we start to see the same thing happening. With the disciples, the early disciples, and months later, when they need other people besides the 12 and they have these deacons join them, we're all familiar with Stephen, Philip, you guys know Philip and the Ethiopian, who needed help, understanding. Philip is filled with understanding and speaks and explains. And this is the kind of thing that we experience too, even to today. Sometimes talking with our children, the Holy Spirit just kind of gives us understanding or gives them understanding. And they speak something from God's Word or out of God's Word, and we realize, we experience new truth and conviction. Sometimes we have this... I have... uh, uh, Jenna mentioned that um, a lot of... a good part of what I've been doing, say, over the last 10 years... Uh, has something to do with scripture reasoning, and this is working with Muslims. Usually, I work with people who are very, you know, well educated um, in the Quran, and sometimes these are Muslims, and sometimes these are new believers. Uh, just to say that they've become Christians, and but they still have a very deep understanding of the Quran. Uh, and they're trying to understand How did God allow for this Quran To exist And how can we use it To bring people to Christ um, Those who still believe That the Quran is it And maybe the Bible is you know, For the people of the book they're, Maybe they don't have The perfect word According to those Continuing Muslims And sheikhs and imams you know, for these groups, I pray asking God, please give me light. Help me understand your word. When I speak with them and, and when they read, because that was, that's one of our goals, is to get them to read the Bible, whether or not they believe in the Bible, it's so important that God's word is heard and read. So, but over and over I've experienced this, that God opens his word. God puts light on his word. God causes us to be asking really difficult, good questions and gives us the opportunity to share more and more from God's word. But again, there's always that possibility that we're we're off, we're wrong, or, you know, that we ourselves uh, have maybe, in the way that we've acted, maybe we're not Gracious filled with the spirit and so then maybe when we speak truth it comes out condescending and judgmental and wrong There's there's always a need all of us have this continuing need to be filled with the spirit Um, I loved that uh, Liz brought up the I don't know her name the little girl that that lit this candle here um, at the beginning of the service, in some sense, it's like we're saying we're we're all quietly speaking a prayer of illumination. We're all quietly inviting God to be present, and and the flame, in some sense, represents the presence of the Holy Spirit among us. And and it's it's positioned here between the the you know what we have in the Eucharist. We remember communion, and we remember our baptism. And, and why I think it's really important that it's right there between those two is because each of those is a miracle, right? We, when we talk about baptism, you know, we, we talk about that Ethiopian who, who becomes a believer just, you know, it's, it's a total miracle that Philip gets brought into the presence of that that man who's reading Isaiah and is filled with the Spirit to bring understanding to him, and that man says, hey, what's stopping me from being baptized? But it's just as much a miracle that any child, that, that even the unborn child that God has chosen us to be adopted children not because of what we did not because we deserve it not because we make the right decision or we say the right words in some sense baptism is just a symbol to say god does the whole thing from start to finish he brings us into his presence he helps us to have faith we express that faith we receive everything by faith and we live from there by faith but these are all gifts of god constantly given That's a miracle when that happens, when we see it in our children. It's not something that we made happen. It's not something that any of us can take credit for that we have faith. It's just by grace. And the same thing for this miracle of communion that we can experience the presence of God regularly, just somehow through a sign and even sometimes we might think this way when we eat together. It doesn't have to be bread and wine. It could be hamburgers. We can actually experience the communion of Christ. We can actually know, you know, you walked among us and you gave yourself for us and we have received life because of this and that life is what's nourishing us. And then Jesus says, Man does not live by bread alone or by bread and wine or water, food, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And again, we're brought into his presence to say, please help me, help me to keep hearing and feeling and understanding the spirit and the word. So, so the, the candle or God's Word between these two reminding us that it's a miracle that we actually can understand God's Word. It's not by training, even though that might help. It's not by having been catech- gone through catechism, which, I mean, that's amazing that you guys still do catechism. Um, uh, that was such a benefit to me when I was in high school. But I, I feel like... Um, Sometimes we err on the side of if we've just got everything lined up correctly, if we just check all the right boxes, if we just say the right words, then, then we've got it right. And I think that that sometimes takes us in the wrong direction. What we need is to hold in one hand God's Word, and in the other, we need to have our hearts set right. Right? So now I, I want to take you I'm not going to take a long time, not as long as Psalm 119 needs but I want to take you to Psalm 119, because what I've discovered in this psalm is it is a fantastic psalm that will help us to have our words, or our, have our hearts set right to read God's word. It's a fantastic psalm that helps us constantly utter these quiet prayers of illumination, do things symbolically to remind ourselves, I need to hear God's Word. I need to be nourished by God's Word. I need to remember God's Word in this circumstance. The psalmist in this psalm says, Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night, and I'm thinking about your word. He says in another place, same psalm, seven times a day, I am reflecting on your word. So, so the word is very much at the center of this, but it comes in many forms. So I, I really do want you to open your Bibles to Psalm 119. It's statistically a better chance that you open that chapter than any other chapter of the Bible but I'll help you. It's right in the middle, and uh, I maybe someone can shout out what, word, what page it's on. 613. 613, okay? So I want you to just kind of skim. Some people want to maybe skim from the back of the psalm, the end of the psalm, and some from the middle, just because we'll never get through it otherwise, but just take a look at this and just shout out a few of the words that remember that represent god's word in this psalm okay i'll give you a second let me say one more sentence here i thought psalm 119 was all about god's law okay as in say ten commandments or leviticus like law like do this don't do this do this don't do this and yet I want to, as we hear these words, I want you to be thinking, is that just entirely about God's law, or is there more to some of the words that we're hearing here? Tell, what are some of the words that, that come out? Go ahead. Yeah. Okay, light, delight. Okay, let's work on words that represent the word, or law, or precepts. Um, Because he's talking about his reflection on the word when he says delight, right? He's saying, I delight in your word or in your law. So what are some of the nouns, not verbs, nouns? Statutes, decrees, commands, wonderful things, promises, precepts, we heard decrees, there's way and truth, word itself. Any others? Riches, okay. There's insight. There's understanding. There's anyone else? Law, uh, truth, righteousness, the path, promise. Your, sorry. Knowledge, good judgment. So there's at least like 15 different words which represent much more than like a nitty gritty kind of do this, don't do this, do this, don't do. It's not about, even though holiness is an aspect of it, it has more to do with relationship and understanding God, knowing Him. And, you know, when we put that in context of Jesus' prayer, God, my, <coughs> he prayed it to his father, you help them to obey and to believe in me. And now here's, I, I've given them your word and they still have your word. And the idea that this psalm is re- pushing us toward is that we're seeing Jesus in the word. We're coming to know God in the word. We're coming to have a deeper understanding of truth the way, the truth, and the life. That's at least one little takeaway from this, that this psalm is not about just right and wrong, and the psalmist is not this holier-than-thou guy, okay? So it's a a little bit less obvious, but I'm going to just point out to you a few places, and The easiest way to see that is actually to look at the very beginning and the very end of the psalm. He talks in verse 3 about himself as not being holy. He knows that he hasn't lived up to God's word. Even though many times in this psalm he says, I do, I do these things. I am following your word. And all this kind of stuff. the, The actual context of all those other things is said at the beginning and the end and he says oh that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees then i would not be put to shame when i consider all your commands so he knows i'm i'm regularly put to shame my ways don't actually line up with your word and yet he's willing to come into God's presence and say all kinds of things about how good and beautiful God's word is. In fact, over and over, when he says the word love, there's only two ways he says it. It's either he loves God's word and loves all the things about God's word, or he's using the word about God himself, your love, your faithful love. And So he's he's pointing to how great this thing is and it is different from him. And he's pointing to how great God's love for him is that even though he doesn't live up to this word, God's love is able to help him to stay in contact with this word. So again, we start to get a different impression. I, I had an impression that Psalm 119 would be like, slow slogging i would hate to have to preach on this or study this and yet it is a beautiful rich psalm and i encourage you there are 28 little sections maybe take it for a, for a month just read it bit by bit and start to look for some of the the things that are themes there are two themes when i looked at the whole psalm that i want you to kind of f- focus on though one of them Both of them occur 11 times. Just by coincidence, at the end, there were 11 disciples. I won't even draw any uh, definite line there, but I will say there were two themes that a word occurred 11 times. One of them was understanding, and the other was preserve. Okay? Over and over, when the psalmist uses the word understanding, he says things that help us, like these are wonderful prayers for us to ask to, to pray. Okay, so earlier I said focus on the nouns. If you look at the verbs, the psalmist 78 times uses verbs. Verbs focused on God do this for me. Help me to be holy. Help me to live according to your word. Give me understanding. 78 times. So, so the, it's, we've got really good precedent here that part of our role in working with God's word is to really command almost, but really ask, pray, beg God to do the thing that He alone is able to do. We we want this. We should want this. We should love Him and love His Word. Knowing His love means that He can help us to understand His Word. So understanding occurs over and over. Um, Let me just read a couple of them. Your hands made me and formed me. I'm I'm reading from verse 73. Give me understanding to learn your commands. Verse 79. May those who fear you turn to me. Those who understand your statutes. And that's important. You hear now, it's not just that I want understanding. I recognize that others around me, there are others who have understanding. And I want others to confirm my understanding so in verses 73 and 78 we we actually get something important about reading God's Word we don't just read it alone we read it in community we read it recognizing that there are people who are very different from us who hold in some ways very different convictions who have been given understanding and that is challenging to accept in in the New Testament, one of the things that I learned this year, as I'm talking with our international church about, you know, we're talking about primary issues that hold that we can all agree on in the church. Primary doctrinal things that, yes, we under we absolutely affirm God's word, and you know, uh, that we're all sinners and we all need Christ. Faith in Jesus produces salvation. All of this kind of thing there are other things that are secondary there are other things that we really couldn't come face to face and say yeah I fully agree with you or I read God's Word exactly the same way you do No, we we came from very different angles and we had to learn how to have unity knowing that God was giving understanding to different groups in different ways that's a hard thing to do we're still struggling with that maybe that's a thing that is a challenge here but god does give understanding and part of that understanding understands that there are differences and that even in the new testament it wasn't like one church it it was many churches in many contexts with many different people from many different backgrounds they all held to the same core most important central truths but then they, in terms of living it out, in some places there were different culture, different language, and they had to live it out differently. So these are, I see them very much present in this. I love verses 125 and 130 as well. These are, I won't go further than this with understanding. I am your servant. Give me discernment that I may understand your statutes. And then verse uh, 130, the unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. So this concept that we, like if you come with the understanding that you are simple, that you actually have very limited understanding, that puts you in the right position to be receptive to the Holy Spirit teaching you. Jesus says, those who study God's word, they will be like scribes who, ta- who bring out of God's word new things as well as old. They've studied, they, they have some old things that they already understand, but they're also bringing new things. You can't get new things if you're stuck in the old all the time. This is, God's word is telling us, take the attitude of humility Consider others better than yourselves. And be simple and read God's Word. He will give you the understanding, the discernment that you need. The other theme that I, you know, very quickly I'll just put out there is preserve. Eleven times again, he uses this word in this chapter. And the idea here is, and besides those eleven times. Um, preserve my life. Almost every time it's preserve my life. Besides those 11, he uses so many other words. Let me just mention a few. Deliver, defend, sustain, guard, keep, uphold, redeem, save, ensure my well-being. So over and over he's realizing that he can't get things right on his own. He needs God's power at work to preserve him, to preserve his understanding, his life, his well-being, his sense of peace, his sense of joy when he's trying to live with grace and it's really challenging because truth sometimes feels like it's at odds with grace. He keeps trying And he says, preserve me when I make mistakes. Keep helping me. This way of living is wisdom. And no matter what context we're in, we need wisdom. We need so much more wisdom. Whether it's in a workplace that we just keep finding challenging, and I, maybe you have this, I have that, you know, I supervise people, I, I work with people on a team, and there are sometimes these, like, uh, difficult personalities, we'll call them, right? Or sometimes we, we recruit someone, we've got a new person on our team, this happened this last year, where we thought for sure we understood this person is right, they're well-suited to Our context maybe it'll be you know there'll be some cross-cultural adjustment but they have some good background and they're trained we're gonna place them in this give them the opportunity to grow and to serve and it's like I mean I hate to say this but you almost watch someone crash and burn it's hard and then you're living with the the results of that you have to help that person you've brought them there you are the one who suggested that person to join your team. Or with our children, you know, you, you don't always have the wisdom or the insight and you say something and they hold on to the one thing that you say, not all the other things that you wanted them to hear. And sometimes we as children repeat the things that we shouldn't be repeating that our parents did. And there's no guarantees except that we can cry out to God, preserve, preserve, preserve. Preserve your church. We look at the North American church, and we sometimes feel like, oh, the church is getting smaller and smaller. There are fewer and fewer people who are committed. And... Maybe you guys, you, you don't, don't all see what we see, that there's so many evidences in different parts of the world where God is producing, people are coming to Christ, lots of people, people who want to know the truth and they are finding truth in God's word and they are so much more passionate than we've ever been about living for Jesus and speaking for Jesus even though they face persecution even though they face opposition one of my favorite verses in this in this chapter um, or concepts let's say is um, where it go now the just the way that we face persecution we live with persecution or opposition Um, and we need God to help us there in order for us to be able to obey God's Word. So here in verse 134, Redeem me from human oppression that I may obey your precepts. I mean, that's a real prayer that new believers pray. Help me in the face of human oppression so that I can obey your Word. Because sometimes when there are people against me, it's really easy for me to just lie or just join the corruption. That's a really, that's a practical issue. Help me, preserve me, redeem me in the face of human pres- oppression so that I can live out your word. And then this other, I think it's related in verse uh, 96 To all perfection, I see a limit, but your commands are boundless. So Muslims look at the Quran as perfection. It's actually like the perfect thing on earth, if it's in Arabic. (laughs) But this verse says, To all perfection, I see a limit, but your commands are boundless, your word, your, the things that you can help put light on by your spirit at work in me and using the book, this is without bounds. And I think for us in the West, that's a really important little verse, because we tend to think of technology as having no limits we tend to think of if you just study and you know do enough research or you know we develop our knowledge progress will take us to the point where we can all live at peace with each other we can develop a utopia you know the right politics system or the right economic system we think the perfect one is going to work or we think of it that way in terms of beauty. Perfect beauty is it's almost like uh, almost a drug. Anything that is, you know, accomplishments and, and the way that human beings are able to bring order, we we consider them versions of perfection and the perfect thing we think is somehow It dwarfs all other things. And this says, no, there's nothing that is perfect. Only God's word is without bounds. Only God's word is going to be at the end. Uh, It will remain. Everything else will pass away. So, like, these, these ideas maybe that, that we, we can cry out to God, that, that we ourselves are, are people who make mistakes, like, you know, the bookends. And, and we should be crying out to God 78 times, not 77, but over and over. Jesus says, you know, forgive 77 times. No, this is saying just keep doing it even more and more and more. Keep crying out to God. Keep lighting that candle. And... And, and ask for understanding and ask to be preserved and ask to love God's Word as the boundless thing that it is. This thing that is beyond perfection. And this puts us in a heart state that the Holy Spirit is able just to transform our eyes and give us the mind of Christ. That's what it says in in 1 Corinthians 2, the mind, we have the mind of Christ. If we orient ourselves before God with that humility to, to be able to receive and see truth, that will help us to, in some way, be like Jesus, full of grace and truth. So this is what I'm still working on, and it's, I think it's going to take us a long time to get through that psalm. But, You know, God help all of us to grow in this way of thinking. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you that you've given us your word and you've given us experiences that we know you've given us your Holy Spirit. But God, we do call out to you. We cry out asking that you would help us to love your word and to depend on your spirit more to grow in grace and truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Willoughby Church Sermon Podcast. The Willoughby Church Podcast Network also has podcasts about discipleship, the Heidelberg Catechism, and even a podcast hosted by some of the youth. You can find out more about the Willoughby Church Podcast Network by going to willoughbychurch.com.